0: The Los Angeles City Council is expected to vote soon on whether L.A. should continue its quest to host the 2024 Summer Games. And the mayor's already promising taxpayers they won't be on the hook for budget overruns on the projected 4000000000 billion-plus event. In part, he says, because L.A. can save money by using its existing sporting venues. Now, that was the strategy 30 years ago when L.A. wowed the world by producing a low-cost, pop-up Olympics with splashy visuals and repurposed buildings. Is it a strategy that could work again? Or could L.A.'s third Olympics in a century be a vehicle for a transformation of the region, making it more resilient for a more extreme climate with the L.A. River at its heart? First up, Paul Prazier. He's co-principal of the graphic design company Sussman Prazier, And together with his late wife Deborah Sussman and the architect John Jurdy and hundreds of Los Angeles designers, they developed a dazzling kit of parts.
1: Well, the idea was that everything was going to be a reuse. So John Gerdy got the job of doing UCLA campus as one of the Olympic villages, the other being at USC and another being up at Santa Barbara. And John said to Harry Usher, who was leading our effort, he said, this is a bigger problem. We have to have this sort of kit of parts that covers everything.
0: But the kit of parts consisted of what?
1: It consisted of tents of very different shapes that became information places. It became tickets. It became hospital units that you had to have at everything. It, it was for VIPs. So there were all these different kinds of tents. Uh, that was one piece of it. Another piece of it was the scaffolding that marked the entry to all these pieces. Another things were sonotubes, which were used in combination with the tents, but also. As separate rows of things that would guide you through different parts of the village, we had special structures at the entries to places that carried the pictograms with on, on again on vinyl or canvas that were silk screened on. When you went down to the level of the games, we had field of play banners. So all around the say the Coliseum, when you were watching the guys running and everything, you could see this color behind it. We worked with ABC to know where the camera shots were going to be. We had backdrops that we designed for where the awards were given. And then the backdrop behind them always had something Olympic. And if you got down to the field to play, we did the numbers. We did the LA 84 on the hurdles. We did it any place you could get it. We did all the uniforms. That was part of the kit of parts it was done with Deborah's cousin, who was a Academy Award winning designer and Levi's. So everything that we could touch.
0: And color was a huge oh, yeah, part and of this.
1: Color, the color was, I'm trying to remember, there were two sets of colors, a pastel set and a bright set. And there was a, a little diagram that told you how not to put them together. And you could put them together any other way. But I think Deborah had the sense and understood that in Los Angeles, which is so big, that if you didn't make it strong enough, people weren't going to see it.
0: So the LA Olympics, the design of it was temporary. It was about stage sets. It was about instant, delightful, joyful, colourful impression. Do you think that attitude could still work in LA? This city's become more preoccupied, I guess, with creating the big civic landmarks. We'd be up against Beijing with its bird's nest. Do you think this kind of makeshift, pop-up approach could work the next time around.
1: Yes, I do, and I think if you look at London, which was fairly recent, it owes a big debt, as many other Olympics after the LA84 Olympics does, to what we did in 1984 here. And I think that theirs was maybe not quite as enthusiastic as ours, but I think the general idea of developing a kit of parts, maybe expanding on what we had the last time, And using existing buildings are very important to that because that's where a big part of the money goes, into building buildings and running into construction problems and all that. The only thing that I can think of that would make sense to build here are probably units for the athletes to stay in. If we could build those things as low-cost housing, and then after the Olympics, they would be used that way.
0: We could address LA's housing problem.
1: Right, exactly. I do think there needs to be a lot of local participation. I do think that there are things that have not been really exploited the way they could be. For instance, in the LA 84 Olympics, we didn't sell enough souvenirs people weren't going for Sam the Eagle. And I think that's a whole thing that could be another big, big source of income if you had plenty of time to do it and get it out in the stores. So there are ways of, I think, drawing more money into the Olympics that would involve more people. But I'm really for local participation. We tried to involve as many designers as possible in the Olympics, and
0: I think we succeeded. That was Paul Prasier, co-principal of Sussman Prasier, designers on the 1984 Olympics. Now to Henk Ovink. He's a Dutch water infrastructure and resiliency design expert who was tapped by the White House post-Sandy and is now advising Frank Gehry on his thinking about the Los Angeles River. It turns out he's also been involved in Olympics planning. As I found out when I called him to have him explain how the LA River would fit into resiliency planning for our region with its extreme drought and its extreme rain events.
2: I think the Los Angeles River can play a critical role, not only uh, physical, but also as guiding the narrative around the impact of climate change when it comes to water. I think the Los Angeles River can be a driver for change and an example for other parts of LA to set that standard of water resiliency, climate resiliency for the future. Uh, It can stay that iconic metaphor, not in the sense that it is now actually this concrete slab without water and without an environmental quality, but becoming this river again that can deal with droughts as well as too much water and capture environmental quality in such a way that it really builds in resiliency for the city. But hey, uh, we're not that far, right?
0: We're not that far, but we're good at making things happen when we want to, especially when we learn that we might have the chance to host the Olympics in 2024, which I think might galvanise. Yeah. I'm scripting scenarios too, and I could quite script a scenario that involves the Olympics being oriented towards the river and the, and expediting the river development. It's also- no, wait,
2: Francis, I want to... I want to build on this because I was in charge of the Olympic strategy in the Netherlands for 2028, which is a little further away. Uh, We started that approach in 2006 or 2007, uh, where we actually said why not use the Olympics as a metaphor for driving change in our development agenda. Getting a comprehensive approach to social, environmental, ecological, education and economic issues that stress the Netherlands now and in the future. I really think that If you would use that metaphor for L.A. and push your climate resiliency agenda with your Olympic ambition forward. And the river, the L.A. river, as a critical backbone for that strategy, uh, a pearl chain of projects going all the way, all across L.A., showcasing the resiliency ambition and the collaboration that could emerge between the private sector sports initiatives, communities, NGOs, the city, and the good things of the Olympic being you know the mentality of sports and collaboration and, you know, everyone's a winner. Uh, I can really imagine that can help ignite the process of celebrating the quality of L.A. River as a core identity for the city of L.A. And then the Olympic ambition as a double or a triple side where it's, of course, the ambition of L.A., to showcase the world that they can host these great games and host the world. So be that partner for the world. At the same time, show the world that with that ambition, they can raise their resiliency awareness, but also their resiliency impact.
0: There was Henk Ovink, special envoy for international water affairs for the Kingdom of the Netherlands, no less. He's now advising Frank Gehry and the LA River Corps. We had an extended interview with him on DNA's website.